the individual's freedom has been ratcheted down and government control has been ratcheted up. And um, I'm very much in favor of the free market as well. Welcome back to the Ramble Room. We are excited to be comfortable in our new digs. Well, mostly comfortable. We don't control the heat in here, so wear a sweater. I'm actually warm enough today. Maybe that's the cold corner. It's a little chilly. (laughs) Sorry. Do you want my jacket, too? It's okay. I'm okay in my jacket, but that's why I didn't take it off. (laughs) That is Brandy Patsick, and her husband, Andrew, is here. Hello. Glad to be here. Andrew is running for city council, Sheridan, Wyoming. Is that correct? That is correct. Why? (laughs) Okay, it's a long story going back uh, a number of years, but basically I started paying attention to things, and the more I learned, the more concerned I got about what I was seeing and started to feel a pull to learn more about it and get more involved. And then one day I heard the magic words from the wife basically saying, you need to start paying attention. And I knew that that was my green light to dedicate the time to it. I needed to. So I started attending all the city council meetings I could, which was basically everyone since August 2nd, 2021. And um, what I saw on a pretty much every meeting, I walked away and I, and I just, I saw a lot of hard issues being discussed and not always the answers that I was hoping to see from the council in protecting citizens' rights. And basically, when I started looking into things, I just thought, this is somewhere where I feel called to get in and get my hands dirty and try to help out. So that's what I'm doing. Those of us that are of a political mindset, I think, like to watch news. We're comfortable and fairly conversant on national issues. Some of the more practiced and more intensive people will tell you about some of the state issues but you got to be pretty dogged to be very interested in the community issues they're talking about what are we going to do about the the water bills or what are we going to do when we pull the street up and do we put a stop sign here and all those things and it's a little bit hard to get interested in that and yet this is where it all starts one of the most important grassroots fundamental places that there can be and I commend you for being willing to do the work to go there do you have any pet issues so my pet issues center around uh, city finance and government overreach Um, and the big the big reason for that is when I first started going and paying attention to the city council I saw um, an animal ordinance come through and on its face, it seemed legitimate. There, there apparently was an issue with animals coming from outside the city limits and getting captured by the community service officers, and that our local facility didn't have the jurisdiction to levy fines against animals that came from out of the city district or something like that. So they would end up housing them and feeding them until the owners came for free. And that the city decided to try to fix that. And... I have no objection to fixing an error that was found with an ordinance. What happened was, is 10 line of municipal code turned into three or three and a half pages of code. At the 11th hour, after the mayor 
asked if there was any further discussion. And as he was saying, hearing none, we're going to entertain a... There was an interruption. And then another council member uh, interjected some other language that turned out to be very heartfelt on his from his paradigm, but um, I think very wrong for Sheridan. And that was the amendment to the ordinance that would ban declawing of animals, not declawing of just cats, but all animals within the city limits of Sheridan. This initially struck me as being a very bad thing for the city of Sheridan and its citizens, not just because I am in favor of the operation of declawing of cats, but because it... Overreach. Uh, it was. Into somebody's, yeah. into people's houses. What businesses are there? What right. do you do with your own... And that was the whole point. And, that, and also, it was brought up because at that meeting, they didn't speak to any of the local veterinarians around town or anything like that to get their input on whether they would support a service that they offer just being completely cut and being banned from them being able to perform. And nobody had any time to discuss this. Right. Yeah. How did that work? At that particular meeting, it was not, I was not aware yet that they had not reached out to any of the local veterinarians. But what I did see was another council member bring up a very valid point, which was asking the person who entertained the motion, well, do you feel the same way about ear pinning and tail docking? We own a Great Dane. And for a short period of time, we looked into the possibility of pinning the ears. And what I learned was that it is a very arduous process, pretty serious and and potentially long-term negative impact on the animal. And we decided right then and there that we weren't going to do it. So I had had previous knowledge and I knew that the, again, the councilman who entertained the motion of of banning this... uh, did not know anything that he was talking about when he responded by saying, well, those procedures don't affect the animal the way that declawing affects cats. I thought for a second, I was like, that can't, that's not even remotely accurate. What it did was it showed that the person who was bringing the motion did not in any way, shape, or form do the research or to put forth good legislation before the city. Well, it was kind of a little pet project of his. Yeah, so what happened was is he had his heartstrings pulled by a video or something. And honestly, I know how videos can do that. I mean, even if you're not a cat person, if you see procedures of those things happening. But but the question was asked at that point in time, well, what good does it do for the cat? And of course, my initial answer was, uh, you know what, maybe it provides a harmonious relationship with an, with an animal owner. But the point of, of it all wasn't so much, although I was very upset about the fact that it wasn't well-researched before it was brought to council. The bigger problem that it presents for the city of Sheridan is the fact that the council was willing to reach into everyone's living room and affect their personal property, which is, that's what pets are, their yeah. personal property, yeah. and govern, pass laws on what they are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do with their own personal property. It was, it was classic government overreach on a mini scale. But it's still the same thing. So the objective was, is this councilman wanted Sheridan to be the first municipality in Wyoming to to bring this ban. And because... Right, like a claim to fame. Yeah, a claim Sanctuary sports. city. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I took it upon myself to start calling around to different veterinarians and letting them know what was happening. And nobody I talked to had any clue that this was going on. 
every one of them that I talked to was quite upset about it, even though they agreed with, most of them agreed with the motion that, um, hey, if you can avoid doing this, please mm-hmm. do so. Um, and would even uh, try to talk people out of the process. They said, it's still our practice, and it's up to us to have that conversation with the pet owner mm-hmm. to find out what we're going to do. Not, it's not about city ordinance being passed. And, and mostly I think that they were just really upset that the law was going to restrict the scope of services that they could offer without there being any consultation with them. No input, no consideration. One of the local doctors decided that they were angry enough about it that they came and spoke to council on it. And they said everything that I just said, that they, whenever they can, they try to talk the person out of doing it, but that ultimately it's their decision to, to do that or not do that. And that the city was overstepping its bounds by making part of their practice illegal. And even worse, that they were doing so without even consulting them first. Now, I do think that the original presentation that was given to council was that they had talked to one possibly veterinarian in town and that they agreed with it. But anyway, the point was is that what I saw when I first started paying attention was that our city council, the way it seemed to me at the time, was haphazardly exercising government overreach into our personal lives and that it did not strike them with the same degree of significance that I view our personal freedoms. And that was part of what drug me in. And I started paying attention to the uh, all the council meetings, and I started finding out more and more uh, as time went on, uh, just more things that I disagreed with. And it was pretty quick for me to, in observing them, to figure out who I ideologically aligned with and who I did not. And I was a little bit disappointed to find out that as far as conservative ideology goes, there's a, a stark contrast. It's a, it's a vast minority mm-hmm. up there right now. And that the, the rest of the representatives are either, um, they can go either way or staunchly on the other side in, in form of government control and government, government power over yeah. the populace. So. One of the things that's particularly scary about that to me, okay, this just seems a relatively small thing is whether or not you have a cat declawed. Now, you know, why is that such a big deal? But if the mentality from the beginning is we have the right to reach into your living room, as mm-hmm. you put it. What happens when they rip up Main Street and affect hundreds of businesses and livelihoods and virtually everybody's life for a couple of years to do whatever improvements need to be done? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do the improvement, but what I'm cautioning against is here are people that don't seem to understand the difference about where we have authority, where we have a responsibility, and where we don't. And if whoever's faithful in the small things will be faithful in the large things. Well, this Main Street project is a big deal. And that's kind of frightening to see those people going into that kind of a project without ever being checked. Do you have any views on that? Are you up to speed on what they're planning? And can you enlighten us on that? I'm not exactly sure what they are planning on Main Street. I've heard of several different things being talked about, such as widening the sidewalk by a foot and a half or two feet, uh, which would be a nice thing, but then that bicycle lane that they established along the edge of the street would be gone necessarily because they wouldn't want to reduce the lane width of the two traffic uh, lanes or the turning lane. As far as uh, it impacting local business, that's absolutely going to happen. But... um, 
I have to say that as a civil engineer, I understand when infrastructure has to be updated. And there are times that uh, it's going to impact us in a negative way. And um, that's unfortunate, but at the same time, we need to get in there and we need to do the maintenance that's needed when it's needed. Kind of like going to the dentist. <laughs> kind of a necessary evil. No, no slight to any dentists out there, but what I'm getting at is if, if they're so careless as they're going to bring an ordinance as we first discussed without even talking to any veterinarians, how careful are they going to be when we're dealing with all of these other little aspects of ripping the entire town apart? How much are they open to communication? Now, you've been watching these. How much public input are you seeing? Uh, public in input is rare. Um, it's generally impassioned, and it usually comes in the form of people objecting to one type of development or another, or the most recent high-profile issue was the selection of the recipient for the liquor license that mm -hmm. came through, which I understand why that's such a big deal to people, because I know that it represents a significant financial opportunity for the person who receives it. But most of the time, the people that are in the council chambers watching and paying attention are either city employees or a person who, uh, from time to time, they have a dog in the fight. You know, they've got a development that's going before city council or a particular issue that they are interested in. But by and large, most of the seats in there are empty every yeah. week. So I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to get back to your point, though, about the if people can be trusted with the little things, then we can trust them with the big things. There's a, there are a lot of moving parts that go into updating city infrastructure and certainly the impact on the people that it's you know are adjacent to the uh, to the construction that's something that definitely needs to be taken into consideration personally i am in favor of maintaining our infrastructure because when it starts going um when it starts breaking down a lot of the things that we take for granted in our daily life become really significant to us such as if your water suddenly stops flowing at your tap or your sewer line backs up. Those are the types of things that we just expect always happen. And there are a lot of issues actually facing the city right now in their choices on how they uh, proceed with their city development. And actually, I'm talking about city development in areas outside of the city limits, in the, the donut area that is, as, as it's called, it's actually, its technical name is the joint planning area. It comprises the one-mile buffer around the city limits. And there um, are some developments that are being considered right now that could stifle the, per the development of that sewer line infrastructure heading south of town. And if the development is allowed to proceed forward the way that it's, it's being proposed, which and has been approved by the uh, County Planning Commission, then it will stop the development of the sewer line extending south. So what does that matter? Well, immediately, it doesn't. It doesn't matter right now because the problem isn't here yet. But it's one of those things where when you look down the track and you see what's coming, then it makes it easier to make a decision that's going to be better for the city of Sheridan in the long run. Uh, for example, if the city of Sheridan had the authority to um, reject 
a given development because it was not contributing to the progression of the utilities, again, specifically the sanitary sewer, then they could have an impact on bringing that infrastructure down south, whereas if they don't have the opportunity to object to that and it just gets approved, like it already has through the County Planning Commission, then future development is not going to be able to under, undertake the cost of leapfrogging over that development when it comes time for, uh, for their development. So basically what I'm saying is, is that the city should have more say in over what happens in the joint planning area. Because at some point in the future, the city is going to be annexing those subdivisions and making Sheridan bigger. Uh, and kind of bringing that back to what we were talking about a second ago with the uh, liquor license, we are 1,200 and some change people away from our next milestone with liquor licenses in this town. And I'm going off of what I heard from a city official a couple council meetings ago. And they said that when the city of Sheridan officially hits 20,000 people, that's going to open up four bar and grill licenses that are going to be disseminated. Now, I don't understand that, uh, all the details uh, that go into when and how that happens. I don't know if we're going to have to go through another census in order to make that official. But the point of it is, is that when I'm watching the city council go through their operations and I'm seeing them uh, champion ordinance that takes freedom or tried to take freedom away from people in how they manage their personal property. The city's uh, inability to provide a hard yes or no on development that is going to affect the city's future and how the city is managing the selection process. I want to springboard off of that a little bit because I have an answer to the liquor license issue. And the answer is called the free market. Anybody who wants to drink is going to drink. They're either going to make their own or they're going to go buy it somewhere. So the number of liquor licenses available in a particular area is not going to change how much alcohol is sold or served, I don't believe. I understand the, argue, the argument of we don't want our town to be 57 bars and two churches. I understand that. However, I'm very much free market, and as a conservative, I'm very much against government picking winners and losers as am i yeah in my world there would be no such thing as a liquor license the free market will determine that if you have some sleazy place where things are always happening eventually it's going to get shut down one way or the other but that's a pipe dream yeah we're not going to we're not going to change what is but isn't it funny it will be at what 18 18,000 people, 19,000 people, and we can only have this many. But as soon as we pass that magic number, now all of a sudden, boom, right. we can have four more. That's just stupid. Well, and that's exactly what happened with the current liquor license. Yeah. Is uh, we passed, I think the f threshold was 18. Yeah. And because of that, we got thrown into this position where uh, the city council had to pick a recipient. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know exactly what the motivation was for going with a lottery system, but it seems prudent to me that council having elected been elected to make the hard decisions should have simply done that they should have deliberated come come to the conclusion of which um, applicant would have the greatest benefit to sh the Sheridan community as a whole and awarded them the license instead uh, the lottery process I think has caused a lot of ill feelings and um, lack of confidence. It, it also seems to me that there are certain people with enough money that always get what they want one way or another. 
you come to town and you got enough millions, you'll get a liquor license. You'll get whatever you need. The little guy, let, let's say you and I enjoyed home brewing and we wanted to share that with the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Not a chance in hell we could find a way to be able to do that because we just flat out got the money to do it. And I guess that's, that's part of what I don't like about this. I lean toward the free market. If eight different people open a bar and grill and five of them are bad business people, they'll weed themselves out. Right. And let's Absolutely. But that's kind of, like I said, that's neither here nor there. That's a pipe dream because there's so much money involved now that mm -hmm. it's, it's a game that is played and we're not going to change that right away. Perhaps there are impacts that we can have over time, but it will take time. Yeah. Because one of the things that has happened over time is that the freedoms and the uh, the individual's freedom has been ratcheted down and government control has been ratcheted up. And um, I'm very much in favor of the free market as well. Yeah. I don't think that the government should be picking winners and losers, and this might be a controversial point to say, but I also believe that about the nonprofits mm -hmm. that the city donates tax money to um, each year. Uh, I... I believe that the Wyoming Constitution actually says that any uh, entity that isn't wholly controlled by the government is not supposed to receive any funds from the government. What sense does it make to have any government entity collecting taxes, stealing them from private individuals? Yes, I use the word steal. They're, they're seizing these things and then determining who they're going to give it to in a benevolent fashion. Mm -hmm. That's just more government picking winners and losers. The same principle. Mm-hmm. And the same failure. The, the other thing that, that it causes is this issue where those who are in power, who have the opportunity to make those hard decisions, as you mentioned, are then subject to all sorts of graft and corruption and temptation by people coming and saying, hey, is there any way we could uh, maybe rig this lottery a little bit, you know, put a little more weight over here? you got to be kidding yourself if you think that stuff doesn't go on. Why not just remove it? So there's an ideological problem, and you alluded to it when you talked about the city council and its makeup, and very few conservatives. That's true all over the state. Wyoming is an extremely conservative state, but the governments, municipalities, state governments, all the way up to our federal legislature are not conservative. If we're going to change anything, what we have to do is starting at the grassroots, city councils, mm -hmm. school boards, other things like that. The conservatives need to stand up and be counted and begin to make a change. Well, we've been doing that. You see that happen. And the cry, I read an article this morning by Wyoming Senator Kale Case. And he's talking about we need more big tent Republicans to get involved. And my question is over the last 40 years, what has your moderate Republican ever accomplished? What has happened to the state? What has happened to the nation while we sit back and play the nice guys, the moderates, and the hardline left keeps driving and driving and driving? If you got a Democrat in the White House, things immediately spiral out of hand to the left. As soon as you put a Republican in there, they're still moving left. It just slows it down a little mm -hmm. bit. Yep. Well, what we need to do is we need to put some good, solid conservatives in there and begin to, you know, 
an object in motion is going to stay in motion until acted upon by an equal and opposite force. We need to be that equal and opposite force. Mm -hmm. And so anybody that has a problem with what they might call extremists getting involved, we're just reactionary. <laughs> we're trying to put the brakes on. I'll get off my soapbox. This is supposed to be your show. So Rambo Room Podcast. These people are incredible marvelous marvelous podcast you know when they said they were starting a podcast a lot of people they said it would never get done they said it couldn't be done but you know what they got it done just truly terrific they did it way faster and way better than anyone ever imagined nobody anticipated this they thought it'd take years five six eight years they did it in just a couple months and they have just been marvelous Really spectacular people over at Ramble Room.